It's been three months since the conflict in Sudan broke out. The country has witnessed fighting between the army and the RSF, or Rapid Support Forces Paramilitary Group, triggering a humanitarian crisis in the region. At the end of April, International SOS was able to help many of its clients leave Khartoum and head to safety. We're able through our security partners and logistics partners on the ground to establish a four-vehicle convoy from a central location in Khartoum. We had 37 passengers across 10 client organisations. And as you can probably appreciate, after a significant amount of time in a standfast position with dwindling supplies and then to be sat on a bus for 15 hours, many of these individuals are incredibly depleted as they've arrived into Port Sudan. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading medical and security risk services company. I'm Chris Giles. Well, this is the podcast where we provide you with timely analysis and tactical insight for your organisation. And in this episode, we'll bring you the latest on the ongoing conflict in Sudan and the international mediation efforts to try and de-escalate hostilities, as well as advice on what International SOS can do to assist clients who remain in the country. Well, to find out more, I'm joined by Polina Vinogradova, International SOS's lead security analyst who's responsible for monitoring developments in Sudan. And I began by asking her what the situation on the ground is like now and if there's been a shift in the dynamics since the conflict began. The situation across the country remains volatile. As such, as before, as we have seen in the previous weeks, the fighting remains concentrated in certain areas across the country. So these areas include the Khartoum state, as well as Kordofan and Darfur regions. And this is because this is where the rival forces concentrate, essentially. What has changed is that now we see a more active involvement in the conflict of other armed actors present in the country. So who's now become involved? One of the main groups that is currently involved in the conflict is Sudan People's Liberation Movement North. So since June, it has clashed with the army forces, first in the South Kordofan and then in Blue Nile State. And these are the two states where the group has historically had presence. And then separately, beginning July, several tribes in South Darfur also pledged their allegiance to RSF. And these dynamics essentially reflect the fact that we start seeing the strength of other actors within the country getting more involved in the hostilities. And what's the potential impact of that? So active involvement of armed groups and tribes in the conflict, either on the RSF side or on the army side, will intensify the fighting, likely prolong the hostilities, and could potentially shift the dynamics on the ground in favor of either RSF or the army. Currently, as I mentioned, the fighting is concentrated in Khartoum State, Kordofan, and Darfur regions. However, escalation of hostilities could prompt a spillover of violence into regions that essentially have been experiencing a lull in fighting since the start of the conflict. And we're talking about northern, eastern, and southeastern regions of the country. And on top of that, active involvement of different tribes in the conflict could prompt flare-ups of tribal violence more widespread across the country, similar to what we have seen in West Darfur, where non-Arab Masali tribe has been targeted. And what about private military contractors such as Wagner? I mean, what's their involvement with the conflict? International reports suggested that the RSF has been receiving support from Wagner troops deployed in Sudan, as well as cross-border assistance from Libya and Central African Republic, where Wagner Group is also present. The assistance involves supplies of weapons, ammunition, and fuel. In the aftermath of Wagner's rebellion in Russia, 
the group is facing restructuring. And essentially, it is difficult to assess to what extent this restructuring will disrupt the networks where Wagner is heavily involved that enable provision of assistance to the ERSF. What we do know is that as the conflict protracts, significant disruption to covert external assistance could affect RSF capabilities on the ground. And with regards to the conflict, what's the status of international mediation efforts? We've spoken widely in the last few minutes about more people seem to be getting involved in the hostilities. But is there a potential way forward for de-escalation, do you think? So the peace talks in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia have been one of the main venues where international actors try to mediate between the army and the RSF. However, these talks have been stalled for some time now, especially since the US adjourned the negotiations end of June due to lack of progress. Since then, several regional actors took initiative to promote peace negotiations. So, for instance, Egypt on 13th of July hosted a summit in attempt to negotiate a ceasefire between rival sides. And then earlier, also this month, an Eastern African bloc, the Intergovernmental Authority on Development, also hosted a meeting in attempt to open a new channel for peace negotiations, where it also proposed to deploy peacekeeping forces to Sudan. But the army, the Sudanese army, rejected the proposal. So overall, we continue to see these diplomatic efforts spearheaded by different international actors trying to mediate the conflict. However, the success of such efforts is likely to remain limited as long as the army and their self seek to resolve the conflict via military means. So as the conflict does continue, then how is international SOS able to assist those clients who have remained in country? The situation, as we just discussed, remains volatile in the country, right? There are certain parts, particularly in northern, eastern and southeastern areas of the country that haven't been as affected by the conflict. And we haven't observed hostilities there essentially since April. And so while we continue to advise all travelers to depart from Sudan, workforce that intends to remain in the country, for instance, because they want to conduct business critical operations there, to them we recommend relocating, if they haven't done so already, relocating to those areas in the northeast or southeast. We're talking about such areas as Gedaref, Kasala, or Red Sea states, where the situation is more or less stable, where the country is, broadly speaking, is under controls those territories. But it's important to know that although the fighting is not happening in these areas, it's still very important for the remaining workforce to have the escalation plans up to date and to be able to leave on a short notice if the situation deteriorates rapidly. So we continue to closely monitor the situation and we provide in-depth assessments every time where there is a notable development that can change the trajectory of the conflict and hence potentially trigger spillover into these areas that previously haven't been affected by the fighting. So that's something that we advise our clients to closely monitor, particularly if they have workforce on the ground. And we also maintain contact with our providers that have in the past assisted us with a number of evacuations, including from Khartoum. Okay, Polina, thanks so much for your analysis and advice.
Well, that's all for now, but just a reminder that you can access the latest information and updates on the situation in Sudan from our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres, available to clients 24-7. But until next time, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Thank you.